This is Tom Lee, Editor-in-Chief of NEGM Catalyst, and my interview today is with Leon Haley. Uh, he is the CEO of University of Florida Health in Jacksonville, uh, an emergency medicine physician by training, and I would say one of the good guys and highly effective leaders in healthcare today. Uh, last spring, at the beginning of the spring, as COVID was just starting to roll out, uh, I had a conversation with Leon, and he told me that he and his colleagues were preparing for what they were anticipating would be like a 100-day hurricane, which at that time was the most profound expression uh, that he had for what it meant to be getting ready for a crisis that would last months instead of just a few days. Now it's 250-some days later, and it's still going on. It's evolving, getting more intense in some ways. So we're going to talk about what it means to sustain a crisis response over such a long period. So welcome, Leon. And so for some of our listeners who don't know much about University of Florida Health Jacksonville, can you give a short description of your organization? Absolutely. And thank you, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. So UF Health Jacksonville is an academic uh, safety net hospital located in Jacksonville, Florida. We're under the larger UF Health umbrella, which includes uh, campuses in Jacksonville, Gainesville, and Central Florida. In Jacksonville, we consist of two hospitals, uh, 30 plus clinics that are located in the five county metropolitan area in two states. We have one in Southern Georgia, as well as um, a, a academic health science center that includes of a regional medical college of medicine. We also have a college of nursing and a college of pharmacy on our campus. So all told about 7,600 employees that are part of our enterprise. Well, my guess is that if we went back a year, hurricanes would have probably been the biggest disasters that you'd had to reckon with in the past. Uh, what kind of stresses did that kind of short burst of uh, disaster create for your organization? Yes, and, and having lived in Georgia for some time and then coming to Florida, you know, one of the quick things you have to learn is how to manage during a hurricane. You know, hurricanes impact us a couple of different ways. Um, one, there's obviously physical damage that can occur. You know, these are significant events with high wind speeds, and so it's not unusual for us to have um, some wind damage, particularly in some of our smaller clinics. Water damage can be very significant. Flooding, Jacksonville is a low-lying area, so you always have to be concerned about water damage. And then, obviously, there's the economic toll. Oftentimes, hurricanes require you to close clinics or shut down parts of the hospital operation for a couple of days, and there's an economic impact that's attached with it. And then, finally, there's the piece that impacts your staff. Um, some of our staff can't get to work, or they have trouble at home, or they lose their homes. Um, and so those are the things that we typically have had to prepare for um, beyond the occasional mass casualty shooting. But, you know, Typically, year in, year out, uh, hospitals like ours have to really focus in on her hurricane preparation. Well, so when I saw you in late March or early March, uh, you were getting ready. Um, how did you get ready and how did those early months go? So, you know, COVID was uh, an interesting perspective for us because you could see what was happening across the country, right? So like much of the hospitals in the South and in Florida, we looked at what was happening in New York and looked at what was happening in Seattle and tried to prepare and understand some of the challenges that they were having. Probably the biggest scramble I think everybody's familiar with was around PPE. 
Um, and, you know, like many institutions, we operated off of a just-in-time mentality with many of our supplies. That's how the suppliers operated, how we operated. So there's mad scramble, obviously, to get as much PPE as you could. Uh, and then what you learn very quickly is the states don't have this magical supply, neither did the federal government. And all of a sudden you're competing against other institutions even across the street from you for PPE. So a lot of it was around PPE. Um, the other pieces of it were around obviously trying to understand treatment protocols and learning what was happening in New York and other parts of the country, making sure that our electronic health record could support those uh, initiatives, protocols, what were the treatment parameters, getting hold of medication. And then three, um, you know, obviously trying to prepare the organization for, um, you know, what might impact personally, right? Because we knew COVID was a devastating disease and we want to make sure our staff were up to speed around how they need to protect themselves. The biggest impact probably in the first couple months was um, as things were un starting to unfold and we were starting to get more patients, the state um, put a lockdown on elective surgeries and procedures. So then that sort of played into a financial hit obviously for the organization and slowing down that flow. Um, and we got through that uh, fairly reasonable. So at that point, you know, we thought our 100 day hurricane analogy was starting to work. We had had this sort of buildup, um, of time to manage patients for 30 plus days, and then sort of a little bit of a wind down. And we got to the end of June and we're down to single digit patients um, in our institution. And then what happened? <laughs> and then it exploded. And I can remember it fairly vividly. Um, like I said, we got to about mid-June, actually a little even later, so around the 15th, 16th of June, and uh, literally had six patients. Um, July 4th, I actually remember traveling, and our numbers had started to rise slowly at the end of, uh, at end of June. But I can remember this dramatic July 4th week going where we went from, you know, 25 people in the building on a Friday to... 45 people on a Saturday to, you know, 65 people on a Sunday to by Monday in the 80s and 90s, um, all the way leading up to our peak at our downtown campus, having 113 patients by mid-July. So it was this really quick rise in patients. And, and, and although we had set up our units to, you know, take care of patients, you know, we were suddenly spilling into different units. Um, we have a two-hospital system. We were trying to keep all of our patients at our primary downtown hospital and then we started having to keep them at our other hospitals. So we set up some outpatient clinics um, to manage the volume to figure out who didn't need to be admitted. So yeah, that was that initial rise in this sort of very quick two-week period in early July. So your workforce had to get through one hurricane and then find they were beginning an even bigger one that is still going on today. How, yeah. have they, how have they? How have you had to adjust in your leadership of them, and how have they been doing? It, you know, it, it's been fascinating. I mean, obviously, there's the the clinical side of COVID, which, you know, just devastating for many of our staff members. You know, early in the first hundred days or so, we didn't see a lot of deaths from our patients with COVID, and then suddenly in July and August, a lot more deaths. The patients were a lot sicker, um, you know, requiring a lot more intensive therapy. So, it, you know, it took a toll on our staff. Um, we had nurses, quite frankly, that, you know, realized that they were old enough for retirement and they chose to retire. So we had people literally kind of step away from healthcare. And that being said, obviously, we had just a tremendous number of people who stepped up and did extra time and overtime and, and really have uh, responded to the, the pandemic in just myriad of ways. People who, you know, had to find new roles and helping us with some of our digital health delivery, telehealth delivery. Um, 
and uh, making sure that they're making sure we can deliver the best care possible and being creative and innovative way. Um, we took an old simulation center and told it, turned it into an outpatient treatment area. So I, I, what I was really fascinated with obviously was the, the care that our, that our staff were taking care of patients, the commitment, but then also the creativity and the, uh, uh, the in innovative solutions they had to take care of patients. You know, for me as a leader, um, I think I may have told you this, we, we used to shoot a video every two weeks for our staff. And so every two weeks, right, during right around payday, I'll do a video for our, our, our staff. It, it's broadcast um, inside of our intranet. And it's usually an update on where we are strategically, our goals, you know, how we're doing with some of our quality initiatives financially. Um, I go through goals of our hospital, our physician practice plan. I do give updates on the college. And that was every two weeks. And early in COVID, we went to probably two, three times a week. And then when we got into that mid-cycle uh, mid in July, I did it every day. Um, and so I shot a video every day for our staff. And so at least at the end of the day, they would know, here's how we're doing. Here's the expertise. Here's what's happening. Here's the struggle, quote unquote. Um, and then, you know, as we got better in, in September, we kind of went down to three days a week, but we're still shooting that video two, three days a week where our goal was to update our staff and really keep them informed. And I try and be very transparent with them about what's happening, what, what's, what's going well, what are some of our challenges are. And uh, I think it's been received well. And actually, the other thing we did with that, it used to be just internet-based. And because we had so many people working from home at one point, um, we obviously allowed it to sort of be seen outside our system. So as a leader, I felt one of the major things we had to do, you know, throughout this and still do is really communication and, you know, both with our video, walking around our campus and making sure that people know that, you know, that the, the leaders care about them and we're trying to keep them up to speed. Now, I saw a photo uh, a few days after the Pfizer vaccine was approved uh, on the internet with you with your left sleeve rolled up and a needle being stuck in your arm. And it said that uh, you were probably the first person in Florida to get vaccinated. Uh, I'm sure some real thought went into that and you weren't just elbowing yourself to the front of the line. Uh, tell me the thinking that led to you getting vaccinated first. So, um, you know, great, um, great question. And, and a couple things went into that. One of the things that we did um, when we realized that the vaccine was truly coming and, and just backing up a little bit, we were chosen as one of the first five hospitals to receive the Pfizer vaccine in the state of Florida. The state um, decided on an allocation method of taking 100,000 doses, dividing it to five institutions with a goal of those five institutions to really vaccinate as many of their frontline healthcare workers as possible, and then depending on what they had left, to share in the immediate vicinity. So we were just proud to be one of those five. Um, but we also had the dynamic that we had some staff that were quite frankly uncomfortable with taking the vaccine. So we did a quick survey and um, we had about two or 3,000 people respond to it um, pretty, pretty quickly. And we really asked them kind of one question and any comments they wanted to make. And, you know, will you take the vaccine? Yes, no, maybe. Um, and we had probably 40% say yes and 38% say no and the rest, you know, on the fence. And um, so 
you know, we really wanted people to, to understand the science and feel comfortable with it. So we sent out emails, obviously. We did video updates with the leadership team. Uh, we did videos with some of our clinic, clinical experts that we sent out. We did a town hall, town hall webinar um, with staff to really get them to engage. And, and I had people reach out to me and they were like, are you going to take it? Are you going to go first? Are you going to, you know, they were just really concerned. So I, I made an executive decision, I guess, to say, all right, I will, you know, take it um, and, and go first and show my team and that, uh, you know, um, I'm comfortable taking the vaccine. I understand the commitment that's behind it. I understand the research behind it. Um, you know, um, I don't do as much clinical time as I used to, but making sure that, uh, you know, as a clinician, I felt like it was really important for me for me to go first. I just happened to be the first in the state, but I just really wanted to show our teams uh, the commitment. The other thing I wanted to demonstrate, because I knew it would probably show up publicly, I wanted the African-American community to be comfortable with the vaccine as well. And so obviously, you know, there's been a number of surveys that have gone on in the African-American community and many of the underserved communities really struggling with, you know, do they feel comfortable with it? So I wanted them to see me as a clinician, educator, researcher, leader, and African-American in this community feeling comfortable with this vaccine and taking it um, early. Has there been any response to that photograph of you in the news? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, most of the vast majority have been positive. Um, and, you know, way to stick your neck out, way to show leadership, uh, you know, way to demonstrate that for your staff. Uh, you know, there's been some naysayers, too, like how did the CEO go first? Um, and some of it was people didn't understand that I'm a clinician as well. Um, and I, I, I can see both sides of the equation. And uh, truthfully, um, I, I can see why people would be upset. But I really wanted to demonstrate that uh, you know, there was an opportunity to lead and show that we're comfortable, we wanna give this vaccine. I will tell you after I did it, when we, before we um, uh, started rolling out, we only had 1900 people um, signed up to receive the vaccine. Um, after me and some of our other leaders going first, going, you know, mixed in obviously with frontline staff because we obviously wanted to start that group as well. Um, that quickly went up about another thousand. I think we're up to another 1,200 people. So, you know, people have responded and said, okay, it's been great and thanks for, you know, going first and, and making us feel more comfortable. Uh, well, I think that it was a great decision on your part. Uh, let me ask, though, that when you look back on this very difficult year, if there was anything you could do over, um, uh, what would it be? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I, interesting enough, I think one of the things that we did early on, we were trying to deliver information to our staff frequently. And I think, as you well know, early in this pandemic, there was a lot we didn't know. Some of the guidelines from uh, CDC and other organizations changed pretty frequently. And I think we were actually giving them too much information. And, you know, we might send out an email at, at 8 in the morning, a second one at 1 that corrects the one at 8, and then another one at 5. You know, we were, we were trying to give so much information um, that we probably were confusing people. So if anything, I probably would have backed off on the initial amount of communication we were doing, you know, and kept it to where we landed, which is kind of here's these very uh, succinct pieces of information that we want to uh, give uh, very early on, but kind of keep it to one thing a day or one thing every couple of days, just so the information is a lot more succinct and people could follow it. Um, you know, I think yeah. that was probably the, the, the biggest issue. I mean, obviously, I. Uh, 
getting our leadership team off of Zoom. You know, I think the thing I don't, most of us did not appreciate was how much time we would, you know, go for meetings and other things, and then in a quirky way become even busier on Zoom. And I think, um, you know, getting our leadership team off of Zoom, and we, we did this eventually, but getting our leadership team off of Zoom earlier and then making sure that they're really touching base. Like I said, we're in two hospitals in two different locations, five counties, and making sure we're really keeping tabs of our staff Early. But I, I, we've unfortunately, because this has gone on so long, we've now settled into a nice pattern of uh, you know checking in, keeping tabs, and checking on people, et cetera, et cetera, um, and, and really trying to keep folks engaged. That's a really interesting uh, nuance, and, is, and it has the ring of truth. Uh, so let me end by just asking, you know, what do you think you've learned from this last uh, nine, ten months that's going to be baked into your management style long term? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think probably a couple of different things. Um, I think communication was always one of those things that we worked on, but you know, really how we communicate and being succinct in our communication style and making sure that we're delivering you know, very important messages at, at critical times um, will continue to be important. Um, I think you know, continuing to uh, think strategically, I think you know, we wanted to make sure that part of, as we were going through the dynamic that people understood that we still had long-term plans. And so I wanna continue to you know, be able to balance, you know, here are those day-to-day, month-to-month needs of an organization, what they need from me as a CEO, but then also to continue to you know, put our foot forward, continue to strategically grow. Um, I think the other thing is really, um, uh, I've learned is to take a step back and go, okay, um, if I were coming into this new, like a brand new CEO, what else would I do differently? Um, you know, I've only been here four years, but it's, you know, just long enough to get into your pattern. And so I think one of the things we've learned is to kind of take a step back and really think about, um, you know, if I were coming into this brand new, if I were thinking about this differently, how would I think through it? And then I think the last thing is the, you know, we already depended upon data and information to help lead us, but now we can really take that to the next level and really think about how data can, you know, increasingly drive, you know, decisions and incorporating things like artificial intelligence and, and decision making, decision support into a lot of our, our process. And then the last thing is just make sure, you know, in the end of it all, it's really around our people and making sure we're trying to take care of them. Um, you know, we've got great systems, great you know, equipment, blah, 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 but it doesn't work without the right people. And so making sure that we can continue to take care of our people is important. Well, thanks so much, Leon. I think that, um, you know, safety net leaders, I, I think, have really risen to the occasion. I think everyone in healthcare has uh, has learned a lot and, and shown their best in the last year. Uh, but uh, those of our colleagues working in safety nets, Boy, they have really risen to the occasion, and I think that uh, you know you're right up there in the top tier of leaders that have done it with grace and even humor, uh, and a lot of effectiveness. So uh, I'll check in with you by email in a few in a in a few weeks when I know you'll have gotten dose two to see, hear how that went. And, <laughs> of course, uh, absolutely. Uh, and you know you can I would say. Uh, keep your schedule relatively free, but then uh, that day, because I, I know the side effects are not trivial, uh, but I know that after a few hours, you'll be up and uh, charging back into the fray. Um, so thanks so much, and uh, we'll be checking with you again. Great. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate it.